0: First up, first up is this show, uh, Sweden. Sweden is taking reality TV a step further by actually having a house that's just filled with cameras watching other cameras. <laughs> Swear to God. It's a show, it's a show called Camera House and you'll be seeing it soon on Fox. Check this out.
1: 17 cameras live in a house Uppsala, in. Oj, oj, oj. De bråkar över videospelaren. Lugna ner. Till köket. Är det nåt i ugnen, kamera? Vilken Hot high 8 Camcorder.
0: Överraskad i duschen. Kamerahus.
1: i feel like somebody's watching me you know what that one's almost
2: relevant and i'm proud of you for that
1: sometimes i feel like i'm on cbs tv
2: (laughs) you know what i will give you this one this one's not as bad as as many of the others
1: well you know what it took uh it's almost thematic it took 90 something episodes but we finally got there people uh yeah, i guess all that being said podcast over Yeah, great. Nailed it. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck.
2: And I'm your other host, Beth Grosato. And uh, today we are joined by actor, writer, director, producer, you know, man, man about town, Spencer Frankenberger. How are you?
0: Hey, I'm doing well. How are y'all?
2: We're, we're here. We're living. We're living yeah. all of us through like this three days of all of a sudden everything's open. You know, nobody knows what's happening in the world.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. I've, I've had that issue with my mask is I'm like, can I take it off? Do I leave it on? What What is happening? And like, I even noticed uh, Chipotle, <laughs> they uh they had a sign that said, like, um please uh, remember to wear your mask. And then like in very small parentheses, if you have not yet been vaccinated. And I was like, oh, like very tiny print. <laughs>
2: The Vons has a sign up that says masks are required for all non-vaccinated people. Yeah. That's what it was like in Florida, too. But it was the same thing. I was just like, so we're just on the honor system now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay.
0: I'm from Florida, so I get it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was walking around the Publix and people are looking at me like I'm weird for having a mask. And I'm like, I, I don't know any of you.
1: <laughs> yeah. When, when I when I was on the plane to Orlando, uh, like pulling back and realizing like well I'm I'm about to go from uh basically not leaving my little enclave in Los Angeles to a year and a half for a year and a half to uh jumping into the into the fucking deep end and I said out loud on the plane buckle up motherfucker <laughs> um and thankfully there was a space between me and the other person uh in my row so I don't think they heard me which was nice
2: that's probably smart and
1: good. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you know, at the top of the show, before we started recording, Brandon, you mentioned that you were stalling for time so you could figure out what you were into this week. So why don't you tell me? Did you figure it out?
1: <laughs> nope. Still stalling for time. <laughs> uh, so
2: I got one if you want.
1: Okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 So let's, uh, yeah, let's go into some things we're into this week. Beth, take her away.
2: <laughs> uh, I just discovered that there's now uh, a currently airing uh, season two of full bloom on HBO max, which is the HBO max version of the flower competition, which every streaming service seems to have their own, like, you know, craft and baking and flour and metal and all these different competitions and you know what i'm here for all of them i love watching really talented people make things i love seeing how things are made so i'm super into that um and the florist one is is it's fun and the stuff that comes out is pretty and it's an art form i've never worked in and i really enjoy watching it so yeah there's a season two there's a season two of that that has uh, been airing on hbo max and i also recommend season one and that's what i'm into this week Having just discovered that, there's new episodes on Thursdays. I spent the time this airs, this comes out. I don't actually, I don't know how many episodes there are in a season. Don't listen to me. Whatever. It's HBO Max. Just go figure it out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The thing I'm into this week is uh, a brand new podcast miniseries called Alive Again, which is uh, the thing I've known I was going to do since before the show. Um, Mm, It's it's from... It's from Osiris Media, which is uh, essentially the jam band podcast network uh, that was started by Tom Marshall, aka the dude who writes lyrics for Fish songs. Um, and Alive Again is uh, just about it's the, the life and times of, of Transastasio. <laughs> I I hate that I talked over that because it was so funny.
2: I'm sorry, I wasn't even listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I, uh, babe. When I say this we with have the, separate audio tracks, babe, you can just separate it later.
1: <laughs> yeah, babe. I, I say this with love. I didn't think you were.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was busy trying to figure out how I can make Jamflow Man into something about a Jam Podcast Network.
1: Well, the Jam Podcast, it come to town. The Jam Podcast, it coming round. Jam Podcast <laughs> every Monday. Jam <laughs> Podcast, you love to play. There you go. I, ugh, I, 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 I didn't want to say say it. Say it. Uh, until I got all the paperwork signed, but I'm actually understudying for Twiddle now.
2: Yeah, right? Um,
1: Yeah, I'm the understudy for uh, Twiddle guy.
2: (laughs) Also, listeners, we will not explain Twiddle, and that's good. If you really want to know, you can go Google it. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you guys want to hear Brandon explain a jam band to you for another 35 minutes.
1: Yeah. You've all heard that before. Instead, I'm just going to explain one jam man to you. Okay. Uh, But yeah, Alive Again is uh, a podcast that's just about... uh, Transtagio um and pretty specifically uh his solo band uh tab uh which is short for Transtagio band super inventive and it's it's sort of the successor to there was a show that uh came out a couple years ago that I believe we even uh, maybe talked about on the show at one point.
2: I'm sure we did because I think it's one of those things like the Margaritaville retirement community that you had to tell people, I know that there's a podcast about fish. Please stop sending it to me.
1: Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, the podcast was called Long May They Run um the fr- it, it wasn't it's not specifically a fish podcast but the season they've done is about fish um i don't know who they're doing for uh the next season but it was basically just an oral history of uh not just the band but their whole uh kind of world which um i really liked because uh th- up until now there hadn't really been like a great documentary about fish there's bittersweet motel which uh i I liked uh when I was younger but I haven't seen it in a really long time which was the the documentary that uh the fucking dude who made the Joker made about <laughs> fish in the late 90s that like
2: Wait, I don't even remember who the dude who made the Joker was. This is how much I didn't did not care <laughs> about that fair. movie.
1: But you know, it was a, it was a, a Todd Phillips jam and there's some good footage in there but for the most part it feels like he just like missed the point of fish kind of entirely
2: so this new this new podcast i already i just promised our listeners they wouldn't get 35 minutes of jam band history
1: you're making me a liar (laughs) well you promised that i made no such guarantee um and my lawyers will uh i believe hold to that so long may they run and then now alive again are really sort of filling that gap because they're they're focusing not just on like specifically on Trey or or fish the band members but sort of the extended kind of world uh, that those guys have put together because so much of what makes those things interesting isn't necessarily the band it's the it's the community or it's the sort of like things that they've that they've like, like the festivals and stuff like that. Like these sort of bigger picture things.
2: Uh, on Long May They Run, they interviewed like a promoter that just really likes them. And the great irony is that this dude sounds like he was born in an Atlantic City lounge.
1: Yeah, that guy ruled. <laughs> um he was yeah, he was their booker for I want to say like the New York. New York area, yeah. And and he's just like just one of those I'm walking here. Oh, fish. Oh, I love those guys. Oh You you gotta fuck me on fish? No, you're not. Um, and like it, it was just such a funny contrast from the very chill kind of like hey everything's cool uh vibe of of fish <laughs> um but yeah alive again is is pretty good it's as of press time only one episode has has come out but i think it's going to run like 8 or 10 episodes um and it's just like a really interesting look into how how he built a band that wasn't fish um, and, and has distinctly different goals than, than fish. Um, Cause unlike a lot of times when a, the person from a, a rock band goes solo, they just play their, you know, their songs from whatever the other band was. But, but tab basically has its own full catalog of songs that are wildly different uh, than fish stuff.
2: Though uh, fish fans refer to them as gay tray songs because the fish community is problematic.
1: Yeah. Well, so there's some of those and then there's other ones that are just like the 22 minute like Fela Kuti sort of, you know, train jams.
2: There were most of Trey uh like dad energy goes and then occasionally they like slip into to fish songs and you end up with Big Boat.
1: <laughs> like the ones our forefathers sailed. Um yes. the, the my my Last thing I'll say about Alive again, sure. uh, there is a – Okay, we a, all believe you. There's a quote in there <laughs> that uh, was really ki- – Trey kind of telling on himself a little bit. Kind of um, like you. Yeah, right? Uh, because when he uh, – he was talking about when he first started playing shows with Tab. It's nice uh, to have
2: things in common with your heroes.
1: Right? Uh, which which was just like at that point uh, a trio uh, – with a guitar bass and drums
2: also hold on i'd like to say that he can't begin playing with tab as it's literally named after him <laughs>
1: well you you know what i mean like the, <laughs> anything the whole tab... he's playing is tab well right but the whole the whole that this at the start of the tab experience okay t- tab didn't always exist he he did have to start tab technically any band is tab if he's playing in it <laughs> no no uh fish isn't tab it it, trey anastasio being in a band doesn't make it the trey anastasio band but it makes it a trey anastasio band right that it it makes it it (laughs) makes it a tab not tab but it's still a tab god damn it (laughs) i i'm losing my mind
2: (laughs) good now you know how we feel <laughs> uh so 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 You've what I was telling us about another podcast for 10 minutes. So so what I was
1: <laughs> what I was saying before we caught up into that like weird existential tangent about what is and is not a tab. Um there's a part in one of the episodes where he's talking about the beginnings of uh playing with tab and he was like the one thing I noticed when people asked me like what was different between fish and tab he was like the one thing I noticed is like a lot of like women dancing at these shows, as like as opposed to just dudes, which is like okay. He he knows he knows what his whole he knows where his bread is buttered.
2: They're not unaware of their audience.
1: So yeah, there there alive again. Tab. That was a really long cool.
2: walk to tell that one little anecdote, huh?
1: Sure was, and I, I I'm regretting <laughs> taking it, frankly.
2: <laughs> so, Spencer, what are you into this week? Other than listening to us just have like a marital spat about jam bands.
0: No, it's all good. It was quite <laughs> interesting because um, I didn't know what half of those words were, but I did know what yeah. Stacia was. So that's good.
2: <laughs> yeah, he'll say things about jam bands and you're like, I know all those words, but I do not know them in this context.
1: But in that
0: order... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I was like Trey Anastasio. I know who that is. I know that. I know that that word specifically.
2: That was really all you needed to anchor yourself in. <laughs> anchor
0: yourself in. What do you mean, goose jammed wisteria lane
1: for twenty eight minutes at Lockin'?
2: Yeah, unfortunately, I do know what all of those words mean in that order.
0: I just went desperate. <laughs> housewives is all I thought of.
2: <laughs> you know what? That's probably better.
0: But no, for me, I'm so I teach kids, and so I've been really into Descendants this week because that's what the show that we're doing, um, and. It's, for those that don't know, it's basically Disney's version of the evil villains who have kids. It's all their kids go to school and like mesh with the good people.
2: I'm almost certain I've talked about this series on this show before because I am obsessed with it. You talked about it with
0: Wits. So horny. But But also.
2: (laughs) But also like, I don't know. It's absurd. It's an absurd series and I don't know why it exists, but I love it.
0: But our show is like all three movies in one and it like only takes like the story of the first one and the songs of all three and combines it. So it's a very interesting like treatment of it all. But I actually wanted to throw in one more, uh, which is Michelle Branch's The Spirit Room on CD Um, for two reasons. One is I brought all my CD collection back to L.A. So I've been listening to CDs in my car. But two, I just haven't taken the Michelle Branch CD out of my CD player. So it just kind of has been on loop for a couple of days just out of the fact that i haven't taken it out so i've literally listened to the album about six times in the past two days so i guess i'm kind of into that this week
2: (laughs) yeah sometimes you find an old one and you're just like you know what this was this was a real one i I remember why i was into this for a period of time
0: yeah the Sync no strings attached was another big one that one like every song on that album is a bop
2: the only cd in my car for like a long time was spice world (laughs)
0: Uh, I don't want to say that I listened to that last week, so I won't.
2: <laughs> uh, I would happily say I listened to that last week. Um, but yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, that's really cool though. That there is it like a, the Descendants, is that like a treatment that was like licensed or what? Not to be like, are you doing an illegal show? But like, I didn't know they were putting that out is my point if they were.
0: Yeah. It's like Disney, Disney does like their little like junior show. So this is like yeah. a junior version of it. Um, but a lot of times, you know, they do the show, I guess they do shows mostly based on the movies because they do the movies first. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like a mix of like all the shows kind of in one. Uh, so it's, it's, I had not heard it or seen it until like last week. So I was like, (laughs) wow, this, this is music and this is a show and this is a movie and there's a lot of characters.
2: There's like a, yeah, there's like a lot happening in all three of those films and I love them. Um, they're so weird.
1: Which one in the trilogy (laughs) Is the one that focuses on George Clooney and his wife dies. Uh, <laughs> Michael Clayton. <laughs> that's, the just... that's the other Descendants. That's the other. Oh, the
0: Descendants. Oh,
2: yeah. That's why I'm just sighing
0: heavily. Actual Descendants. Uh, Alexander Payne. I see.
1: Because because I, I I was all I could see in my head was like young Hades and young whoever uh then with like a young George Clooney and flip-flops running along behind them
0: I I do know that the character the the kid's favorite character is Uma who is not even in our show
2: yeah (laughs) that's fair (laughs) I understand
0: so that's that (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's really funny <laughs> the thing i know about them not like i know about the movies but so i saw the i'd seen most of the movies before i watched Letterkenny kenny and the guy the kid who plays gaston uh, gaston's son in the movies who just like plays like a dumb himbo um is one of the hockey himbos in Letterkenny. kenny <laughs> he also just played the coach on mighty Ducks. <laughs>
0: and, like is that is that chad
2: i i don't know maybe blonde I hair he's the blonde hair yeah
0: yeah chad yeah. Yeah,
2: I just and I just can't unknow that whenever I watch anything with him.
0: <laughs> also, I just now thought about the fact that there's a BR guest remix in this movie and it's just the fairy godmother and Chad rapping.
1: It is, yeah.
0: What? A lot of it it's so interesting.
1: BR Guest trap
2: mix.
0: <laughs> yeah, literally.
2: So like I guess I guess we're recommending Descendants, because it's wild. Please <laughs> just go it's just wild. Just know that it's it's not good, but it's perfect. <laughs>
0: And, and and if you're watching it with kids, the kids generally tend to favor the second one of, of all three.
2: Yeah, the second one's better. The third one's fine. I would agree with them.
0: And there's also an animated version, like an animated show.
2: There is, but I haven't seen the animated show. I haven't gone that deep.
0: There's a lot. Weren't there comics, too? Yeah.
2: Oh, no, there were. There was a manga.
1: Oh, um, that's that's what it was. Yeah.
2: I, I own one. <laughs> I found it for, like, really cheap, and I was like, I must own this. I was going to say, because
0: I
1: could have sworn you had it.
2: <laughs> I do. It's in the living room on the bookshelf.
0: Yeah. There's also, it's also my favorite one. They're like, this isn't what happens in the movie. We're like, yeah, we know. That's fine.
2: We're like, It's fine. Disney, Disney put it out. It's fine. It's okay. This is what they told us is fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, We're going with what Disney said.
2: Look, and just, just be like, look, this isn't, this isn't the weirdest junior production of anything. I once did in, into the woods junior, which is only the first act, which is like, not the play. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's the happy version of the play.
2: It's it's a different show if you only do the first act.
1: Uh-huh. We, we did Junior Rent at my school, and everybody <laughs> just got colds, and at the end they all sang uh, uh, Anything Goes.
2: Yeah, okay. Okay. What? <laughs> no. No.
1: And uh, Angel comes back from vacation at the end, and then they all go on a cruise.
2: Yeah, right? Perfect. It's the kids' Bop version of Rent.
0: Yeah, it's like Rent Jr. is like, it's like also like the PG-13 is like the only PG-13 version of a junior show. Like it's, it, they can't even make it PG because there's not a lot you can do with that show yeah. to make it middle school friendly.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like that gag in the South Park movie when they, they released the clean version of the Terrence and Phillip movie and it's four minutes long.
2: Hey, it was big when they finally started licensing uh, Les Mis to high schools. And oh, then yep. And high schoolers across the country had to sit and watch their... Classmates struggle through an opera all while thinking, what the fuck war is this?
0: And Phantom (laughs) of the Opera is another big one for high schools too. Yeah. And pretty soon it'll be Wicked.
1: Yep. My school, uh, they always wanted to do Grease, but Grease was apparently too
0: risque. It's also way overdone. (laughs) I love that show, though. I love it so much, though. It's so cheesy.
2: I was in that show. It's fine.
0: I've done it twice.
2: (laughs) I was in it once.
0: I love that show. I love that show. So well, much.
2: there's not really a good segue, so I'm just going to bomb right into it. But we're here to talk today about Big Brother. Yep. Which is a very different medium.
1: Oh, yeah. The uh, long running uh, adaptation of George Orwell's classic novel, 1984, and its solo character, Big Brother.
2: Pretty much. So, yeah, it's a TV show. I mean, it started in. The, the basic rent TLDR for anyone who's been living under a rock for like 20 years. Big Brother is a TV show, one of the original reality TV shows. It was started in, I think, like the Netherlands. Um, it's there's been like a total of like 250 seasons of Big Brother worldwide because it was licensed to all these international places, and here in the US, it's been on CBS since like 2000 or some shit. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of seasons, right?
0: Yeah. I think, what is it, 2023 20, or twenty four this season? It's like literally soon. I should have looked this up. I'm going to look it up now. Actually.
2: I looked it up earlier and I've already forgotten. That's why I'm like, uh, it's soon.
0: 23. 23 is coming up. That's what it is. 22. 22 is different because it was another all-star season. So they didn't call it Big Brother 22. They called it like Big Brother All-Stars 2.
2: They canceled it. They were. It was supposed to be a normal season and they like made it an all-star season because of COVID, I think.
0: Right. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what happened. Um, the All-Star seasons are also a whole adventure on their own um, because they bring back players from previous seasons. A lot of times it's like fan favorites, but then sometimes they just bring in character. They just characters. They just bring in guests who... Uh, like there was one person who got eliminated the first day, and so they're like, we're just going to bring you back. And then he like had no idea how to play the game. And it was very clear, so they just kept bringing him through every week. Which we can dive into how this whole game works, but
2: yeah, let's 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 get into it.
0: I mean, I don't even know where to begin. There's so much. Well,
2: to- okay, here. Here's so how did, <laughs> much so much? Well, here's the thing. How long have you been watching Big Brothers? Is it something that you've been aware of and like watching since it started, or did you get into it later?
0: Yeah. So I I first started watching it. I think I was like in middle school or high school, and it was on TV. I was like, "What is this?" And it was actually the first Big Brother All Star season, so season seven. Was the first season I started watching, and I was like, "Who are all these people, and why do people like them? I don't get it." I like had I I was not super into it right away, but then once they started competing, and there's a whole thing with like evictions and head of household and nominations and all of this stuff, I was like, "Oh!" I started to pick the people that I really liked to watch, and I would root for them every week. And then I would go back, and I started watching some of like season five, season six, some of the earlier seasons that had some of what I considered some of the better players. So I'd watch those seasons to see oh, in this All-Star season, everyone is a good player. How did they fare in their other seasons, and why did they stand out as a player? And then once Season 7, once they went to Season 8, Season 8 was fine. Season 9 was a weird one because it was um, in the fall as opposed to in the summer, and so people don't like it that much. It also had weird twists. Um, There's a lot of twists in this show. A lot of times you can see them coming from a mile away. A lot of times they don't make any sense, but that's what makes the show fun and cheesy and a great time for four months almost. <laughs> have you ever
2: watched the first season, which was like modeled after the original?
0: Yeah, I haven't. Um, Only because it's so different than what it is. I think starting like season two, season three, because they didn't have like all the competitions and audience would vote who would stay and go.
2: So for context, for people who haven't watched these, uh, the original show that it was developed in the Netherlands and the way that it is done still in some other countries was basically like very... Literal to the Big Brother premise. And it was just you just watched people live in this house and they just lived together. And then at the end of the week, they would privately vote on one another and someone would go home. And it wasn't, you know, the big reality spectacle and like competition and infighting stuff that American TV typically wants. It was it was pretty tame. All Things Considered, and American audiences hated it. So starting in season two, they redeveloped the show for an American audience and added all these, like, competitions and, like, um, what some seasons, like, you can talk about your votes and, like, some of those American rules then got adapted to other uh, other countries as well. So, like, I know, like, the UK recently had, like, decided to let people start discussing um, discussing evictions, which they had never done before and was like the American style. And in the most British move ever, people got mad about it and they had to reject, like, withdraw that rule. <laughs> Because they don't like change. Um, But yeah, so the American version is like a very specific version of this show that like some international formats have adapted and some have stuck more to the original, which I also think is just really fascinating about this show conceptually, that's it been so adaptable as a reality TV premise to the culture it's in.
0: Yeah. And it also it also goes back to cuz like I actually started branching out into Big Brother Canada too which
2: is modeled on the US one.
0: Yeah, and they but it's like and, and they're very similar. I've noticed that like they take like the competitions, they but Canada they are so good at playing this game. Like they're like diving in ready to play this game and like Cut each other's throats off from the get go. Whereas in the American version, uh, All Star season aside, but most other seasons, people are like, "I'm here in the house, and I'm so excited to be here." Uh, follow me on Instagram. You know, like all this stuff where it's like they're are making the time out of their stay They're like, "It's a free vacation," and then when they start doing the competition, it starts to really become that way. But from the get go in Canada, they are like, "I want to win this game."
2: They came ready to play.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And like a lot of times in Canada, some of the best players never even make it to the jury because they're so good at this game. And people are like, I have to get this person out because I know they're going to come after me or they're going to get me, um, which I guess I should also explain kind of how the format works.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, so what makes somebody a good competitor?
0: So for me, because I I'd like I was like, if I was on the show, what kind of a competitor would I be? Um, but there's, there's typically what I would consider three different types of uh, players. Uh, there is a... Physical competitor, someone who can like, you know, hang all night on a rope and not go anywhere, or someone who can like throw a lot of things really well. There is the mental competitor who is someone who can remember an order of pictures or is good at chess or things like this. And then there's the social competitor who is friends with everyone and is able to manipulate, but also not overcross their paths They're able to work away or like they've had this web of lies and this web of deceit and this web of truth that they make. So I think those are like for me the three players generally. Each player is one of the three. Sometimes you get a player who is two of the three, but that makes them a very strong target. But that's what I would say is for a good competitor is someone who clearly has one of these things, but is able to hide it enough that other people aren't threatened by their ability to play one of these three roles. And I think that that's really what it is because I've broken it down based on the seasons that I've seen. Like the first week there's a head of household comp every week. There's a head of household competition, but specifically Everyone says, you don't want to be the first head of household because you get a big target on your back. You don't want to be the first one out in the household. One of the first two out in the head of household competition on the first week, because that's an automatic nomination, because it's an easy nomination, because no one knows how anybody else plays. And they're like, well, this is easy for me to nominate someone without getting blood on my hands. And so like I I was like, if I was on this show, I couldn't be one of the first ones. I don't want to be the first head of household. It's this idea of some people are so hungry for power, but a good competitor is someone who knows when they need power and knows when they don't need power. They know when to lie, they know when to, to not lie. They know when to break promises. Like there's all these things that like a good competitor is smart enough to know where, when, and how, I would say
2: yeah and I think with this show too, a smart competitor knows that it's not. I feel like the instinct of a lot of people, especially those kind of people that you were talking about that like come into the American version and are like, this is just a free vacation they they really come into it like mistaking that it is purely a like social experiment and that it is purely a popularity contest and that like oh well, if I'm just you know if everybody just loves me, then I'm safe like there's they've made it so that it is not a popularity contest in such a specific and unique way. Um, it's, it's fascinating.
0: <laughs> and, and it also goes back to like, even those people, like I will, I will call her out because it was just a, a, a great instance of this. It was big brother 16 and her name was Victoria. She's considered, uh, so there's a floater and a coaster, which sound very much the same thing, but a floater is someone who originally was a term from one of the earlier seasons where it was basically someone who could float between alliances and groups without like blowing their cover. Whereas a coaster is someone who would literally ride the coattails of someone else because they couldn't do anything and they would just kind of ride it to the end and no, and they would never win because they didn't really do anything.
2: Oh God. Every reality show has one of those where you're just like, why are you still here? Other than you haven't done anything annoying enough for to get voted off. Like you have no personality.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. And it happened in season 16 with Victoria, like bless her heart. She was definitely like the, I am social media. Like I, I think people like me. I don't know what's going on in this game, but she was not a competitor in any of those th- in social or physical or mental at all. And she would be brought in every week. And they're like, you're safe. She's like, Oh, everyone likes me. I'm being safe. And everyone goes, you're just easiest to beat. And so when you get to the final three, what happens is the final three players compete and usually there's a physical competition, a mental competition, and then the other ones kind of a crapshoot. And so there's always two players who want to get to the end together. So they try to bring a third person who's like not very good at the game who can't win any competition. So they know that that person will be the one that they evict. And so Victoria was on that end because they were like, we're going to get all the good players and then we're going to leave her. And she's like, they're both going to bring me to the final two. And then they didn't bring her to the final two and she ended up you know, not getting anything, but she made it to final three by doing nothing. So she's a very forgettable player. But on the other side of that, Cody, who won second place that season, should have dumped his ride or die for Victoria because he would have won. He would have won had he brought Victoria, who did nothing all season. However, he ended up winning all stars. And so he kind of got this redemption in a way. But, you know, because he learned actually on Big Brother. I'm going to spoil Big Brother 22 for those of you who are listening.
2: Uh, Brandon, no Dunkachino joke? Yeah.
0: (laughs) fuck no i missed it
2: every time we talk about doing spoilers he insists on inserting the Dunkachino song in full as a spoiler (laughs) capper
1: okay i i forgot that that was the bit that i've been doing and you know what now i remember it so uh thanks for the friendly reminder uh let's activate (laughs) the Dunkachino spoiler horn take it away dunk don't mind if i do What's my name? Dunkachino. It's
0: a whole new game. Dunkachino. You want creamy goodness? I'm your friend. Say hello to my chocolate blend. Attica, ooh, a love light. This whole trial is out of sight. They pull me back in with hazelnut too. Carmel swirl. I know it was you. Everyone wants my Dunkachino Can't get enough of my Dunkachino Kids from 7 to 17 Lining up for my Dunkachino What's my name? Dunkachino dunca Dunka 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 Dunkachino
2: I cannot believe I just reminded you (laughs) of that. I thought you, okay. Anyway, we're, we're, we're going for it.
0: At first I heard Dunkaroos. And so I was like, I kind of want to hear about these Dunkaroos, but that's not what it was. So that's fine. No, it's Dunkachino,
1: which, which kids from seven to 17, are all going to love their Dunkachino.
0: Continue.
2: Talk about season 22.
0: But what happened was, so it was Cody, Nicole, and, uh, oh my gosh, who was in third. Who was the other player? Uh, oh gosh, who was that guy? Um, What's his name? Oh, I'm blanking on his name. I'll look it up. But um, I'll remember probably halfway through this. Anyway, but it was three All-Stars. So they were all All-Stars for the season. And Cody, in Season 16, brought his ride-or-die, Derek, who everyone was going to vote for Derek. They said they were voting for Derek because he was an incredible player. He was able to manipulate people without them realizing it and all this Derek? stuff. So Cody, in <laughs> Cody in Season 23, told Nicole that he would bring her to the final. He's like, I will bring you to oh Enzo was the final one in the final two. That's what it was. Uh Nicole, he's like, I will bring you to the final two because they're kind of like ride or dies the whole season. However, Nicole has a history of being what they call a snake, uh, who lied her way to the finish line in, what was it, season eighteen? So she won that season, and she was trying to win again and she's like, oh great, Cody's gonna bring me to the final two, and then I can win again, because the jury was like, if she gets all the way to the final two again i will probably vote for her because she managed to be a winner that's gotten to the final two but on finale night cody said i'm voting to evict you nicole and she was devastated and like shocked and all this stuff and he was like i don't want to make the same mistake i did bringing someone who could possibly win this game and lose to someone who has already won the game and so she was like mad and devastated and all this and i literally went you should have realized that it was the right move for him he won He won. And I think that he learned from Big Brother 16.
2: The point of the game is to win the money.
0: (laughs) Right. And it's like, and that's, I think, is like, I think he finally learned from Big Brother 16. But I think Nicole, uh, I guess Nicole F, because there were two Nicoles that season. Nicole F uh, was expecting people to, that she's like, I've already won, so everyone should pick me to win. But she showed time and time again that she couldn't be trusted. And so people were like, I bet it is her fault. However, what I found fascinating about season 23, it was the first time that the American version had a triple eviction where Nicole almost got evicted, but then she didn't because they kept her in the game for whatever reason, (laughs) for whatever reason. Um, Even though she's like, I won, but don't like hold that against me. And no one else in the game had won. And so they were trying to get out the winners and they didn't. But Mm. triple eviction is really fun because generally when there's a double eviction, you have Uh, there's so there's a head of household nomination there's a head of household competition a nomination ceremony a veto ceremony where one of the nominations can take themselves off the block and then an eviction where one of the nominees goes home
2: so let's just talk really quick though tell people what head of household gets to do
0: yeah so head of household uh they can everyone competes in a competition the head of household nominates two players for eviction now this can be arbitrary choices or it can be like I know that you put me up last week or like you're a really strong competitor or, you know, it could be to something we call pawns in Big Brother. I say something we call like I like I own this show, something we call pawns, um, which in turn would lead to a backdoor. Someone's they want to get out, but they don't want to play in veto, uh, which I can also dive into. But that's what it has a head of household does is they they essentially make the nominations for the week, and then. Because there's no control for the nominations to get nominated, they have a chance to play in veto, which is another competition where they can take themselves off the block, hence a veto, if they win that, which makes the head of household put up a replacement nomination. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And then at the end of Thursday night, they have an eviction where the House votes, in the case of the American version, the House votes who they want to see out of the House. And whoever has more votes gets evicted. Uh, And then they go back and play another head of household competition. And it takes place throughout a week with a double eviction. They play that whole week of big brother that same night. So as soon as the eviction happens, someone leaves the door, they go back out, they do a head of household. They say, okay, you won the head of household name your two nominations. They have the nominations, the veto ceremony, the, uh, the veto uh, competition, the veto ceremony, and then the eviction, like right that same night. So two people get evicted in the same night. Sometimes they're generally a two hour episode instead of a one hour episode. but it's it's almost exciting but then that one night in season 23 they finally had a triple eviction for two reasons I can guarantee. One is because that season was getting very very long. <laughs> but two um but two super fans like me that's what we call people who are like really into Big Brother super fans. We were very disappointed in the way that the All Stars two played out because it was very predictable. We knew, you know, it kind of felt like the teams were divided from the get go people were coached beforehand on who to keep in, who to get out and all this stuff. So it felt very staged. It felt very like kind of boring overall. And so I think they were doing a triple eviction to just kind of get people out of the house by making it a fun twist.
2: Yeah, I guess that is the danger of the all-star one is that like you're able to research and know about the other people you're going to be in the house with ahead of time, as opposed to just having to figure it out on the fly.
0: Right. And And it's like, and you know, it's like, even if you don't, As an all-star player, most of the time you're like, okay, well, who hasn't been in the house? Who might be in the house? What are their strategies usually? And so what became an issue with this season is the first like four or five people that were evicted were all America's favorite player. So America votes on their favorite player at the end of the season of who they want to win. $25,000 Twenty five thousand dollars for just being like the MVP of the season.
2: It's like it's like winning the consolation prize when you play Jackbox and you just get the you got the most awards. People thought you were funny. <laughs>
0: exactly, but I mean, you know, twenty five thousand dollars. Like, hey,
2: that's better consolation than a little crown.
0: Yeah, but it's like with this season, all of the America's favorite players were voted out in like the first five or six weeks. So,
2: so it was all the players nobody cared as much about left.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. And and it became like this thing where you know. There were some players where people are like, I'm this is like the person I tuned into every week. And so Big Brother, you know, likes to hear that because they like to try and interfere a lot. But then they started to get in trouble for like season like 15, 16 for interfering that they're like, we can't do this because people are going to think it's all staged and rigged and all this stuff. And so it's this whole like fun, like web of lies and deceit that like production is doing to try and keep the like, you know, people watching the show. But I also love that because I'm like if you're going to if you're going to like let this person win, like I'm okay with that. <laughs> but it doesn't always work in that way. One of the biggest seasons was like season 15, which we generally don't speak about because there were a lot of like issues with like racism and homophobia and like all this stuff in that season. Um and the players were just generally overall like horrible people, um except for the ones that would get eliminated pretty early on. And so what happened with that season was they had this thing called the MVP where someone was secretly chosen as the MVP every week to nominate an additional third player for eviction in secret. And the person that was chosen generally for the first few weeks was Alyssa, who happened to be uh, Rachel uh, Riley's sister and production, I think had a little bit to do with that because they wanted her to kind of like go farther in the competition because she was like uh, an essentially like an all-stars sibling because Rachel won season 13.
2: She was a legacy case.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. A legacy case. There, thank you. Yeah, so so I think that like, you know, these manipulations and these like interferences from production, I don't mind depending on what it is, but I think when it's a pretty obvious interference, it makes it a lot less exciting because you're like, oh, but then all of a sudden she didn't get it. And I was like, whoa, they're actually going with the votes, I think
1: yeah they're actually gonna let this happen. They're letting the process work as it's supposed to
0: yeah exactly and it's it's so funny because there are times where I'm rooting so hard for a player, and I don't think there's ever been a season that I've watched where my favorite player won but wasn't even in like the top two and like it's it's so interesting because a lot of times when you see the winners who have won this season or like the runner ups. A lot of them aren't in the All-Stars, or they're not ones that you're you're like, who won that season? Oh, that's right. Players who don't make it to the final two generally tend to be the All-Stars because they're the ones that play the game. Now, I'm not saying that like the winner—I like mean, Derek in Season 16 and Cody in Season 16 were great players. That's why Cody was on All-Stars and Derek was asked to do All-Stars but declined because— you win the game, you win $500,000. Do you need to do the game again?
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think because the people who won, it, it, there's like not really a whole lot of stake for them to go back into the house unless they just really need the attention. They're like, no, I did this once already. I'm good. Thank you.
0: And so it's like players like, you know, the Danielle Reyes is the Janelle Pierzina, who's by the way, Janelle Pierzina has played this game four times. <laughs> uh, she got third place twice in a row, season six and season seven. And she got, she got cut at the last minute because she is one of the greatest players to never win this game. And then when she came back for season 14 and then for all stars two, people knew of her reputation as such a great competitor that they would just automatically brush her off right away. And, you know, her and her best friend from season six Kaser were back in all stars two house and, and also in the all stars one house, they were both in there together and there i remember this one week it was i almost like cried and i don't know why this is a thing on a reality show but i was so attached to janelle and caser because they were like in the room and janelle was going to be like they were basically up against each other at, uh, on eviction night and janelle was going to be leaving first caser had always left first on season six and all-star seven so janelle was leaving first and she goes she's like this is she's like i'm going to be leaving before you and he's like i know he's like i don't know what i will do in this house without you because it's never happened and then they said, I, I don't understand why they want to put us up. We're two of the oldest people in this house. We're in our forties now. We were in our twenties back in season six. And I literally went, Wow, I've been watching this show for like two decades.
2: <laughs> been on for two decades.
0: But also, yeah. like, it's a it's a point. What you did at 20, you don't you can't necessarily do at 40. If if she could hang on a, a rope for ten hours at twenty after having three kids and a full-time job at 40, you know, it's, it's going to be a different balance of your ability. And so I think that people were just so like, oh, I got to get her out because, you know, this and that and the other. But on the on the flip side, you're like, man, this, this person is so loved by America. What if I bring them into my fold and then America will love me because I'm bringing in this person that America loves so much. And I think that people are so focused on winning that they like, they literally like, this person won last time. This person got third place. This person was a great competitor, so I'm going to get rid of them. When you don't realize, like, what's standing in front of you could be the people who are actually going to be the ones that may be problematic.
2: So in terms of also talking about, like, America's these – are, these are the people America loves, there is a certain um, amount of audience voting that's not just the, like, favorite at the end of the season, right? Or is that dependent on season?
0: Uh it's kind of dependent on season. Uh some seasons they've had like what would you like the house guests to do this week? Um Big Brother Over the Top was the CBS All Access season. I don't know if it's actually a, a consistently a consecutive season number, but it was uh I don't also don't know why it was called Over the Top. I guess cuz they're over the top characters. But this was a situation where each week the, the audience would vote, the viewers would vote for two things, they'd vote for who they'd like to give the care package to, which could change the game, and in the case of someone getting uh, that fifth, what was it, the fifth, the five, final five, someone was, or the final four, it was final four, someone was HOH, they put up the other two people for eviction, and then one of them got the veto and ended up putting up the person's friend who, you know, they wanted um, because of the way that that care package came in, but they were also able to vote for like who they wanted to uh, America got to pick uh, a, a nomination, essentially. I, I think it was a third nomination in that case as well, mm-hmm. which and a lot of times with that, if there's a third nomination, if that third nomination, like America's nomination gets a they don't put up a replacement nominee. But if one of the other two nominations gets vetoed, the America's player does, or the America's choice does stay up there. But it also happened with that season specifically, they had the final three, and America voted for who they actually wanted to win that season.
2: Huh. Okay. So just the one.
0: Which I thought was interesting.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's weird because it's such a, the game itself, it feels like as it's developed become like such a, mashup of like different reality show formats we know like like the audience voting comes partially from the original Big Brother and partially from American Idol and the competition they modeled it specifically after Survivor because Survivor had done so well for them that when this didn't do well they said well we spent millions of dollars on this so we're not going to cancel it let's just make it more like Survivor in a house <laughs> it's wild
0: <laughs> well they've also you know it's also interesting because like even saying that like Season 23, which is, or season 22, which was the All Stars 2 season, there was a lot of controversy surrounding a lot of the competitions because they would have, uh, like with the Triple Eviction Night, they had an HOH competition and then they had a veto competition where you had to put a puzzle together that was the shape of a veto. Then they went and did the same thing again for the second veto. It was the exact same game and the exact same people playing it. So whoever won the veto the first time was likely going to win it the second time because it was the exact same thing. And so it became an issue. People were like, "Well, that's not fair because you guys just played this game. You need to allow it differences so people have chances to win these things." And so that was something that became a controversial. But also, people on the other on the other side were saying, "Well, you know, the budget was a lot smaller because of COVID, and they didn't want to have a lot of different things and all this stuff. So like, it became like it was more of a smaller budget concern versus like a well, it's not kind of fair." But then again, I also have thought about the fact that like is anything really fair? <laughs> like it's that's just how it is.
2: No. I mean, the show it's it's worth it is worth at least mentioning because it is a well-known thing that there have been controversies surrounding the show not just about the gameplay fairness but about its effect on the contestants in the same way that all reality TV has been psychoanalyzed for the way that it affects people who participate in it. But Big Brother in particular, just due to its, like, 24-hour surveillance nature and the different kind of competitions has come under a lot of fire and, like, accuse, uh, being accused of bullying and, like, hazing and, and like, abusive behavior. And it's, it's just such a weird thing to... I mean, that's just the, like, weird dichotomy of reality TV, unfortunately, that, like, we as a nation have to grapple with mm-hmm. but it's it's just such a it's such a fascinating show because it has been on 20 years and nobody's forcing any of these contestants to be on it yeah so like it it's just such a strange thing of like oh here's all these problems and here's all these things that people say about it but it also is still doing well enough that people keep wanting to be on it so who are we to stop them
0: <laughs> right <laughs> you know? exactly oh for sure and that's and that's the biggest thing is I think like having seen all these seasons like I know when something's rigged in favor of a character uh, I just keep saying a character because they all have personalities. Well,
2: there's a little bit of kayfabe involved in it.
0: Oh, for <laughs> sure. Um, but I think like there are certain times where I'm like, yeah, this was definitely rigged for this person to win this or like for this person not to win this because, as with any show, especially with reality TV, with American version specifically, if it gets too boring, people tune out. So spicing things up, even if it has to be a purposeful spice things up, like season 13 had that thing where it was like, okay, you had, it was like vets versus newbies. And there were like six, there were four newbies and two vets left. It was Jordan and Rachel who, Rachel somehow won that season and people were talking about it in jury. They were like, how did we not get her out? We had like seven chances to get her out and we let her slide by. And they were like, I guess she needs to win the game because we never got her out. And so, you know, whatever. But it was a time where it was like, okay, they were both on the nomination ceremony uh, at the nomination ceremony on the block. And I was like, well, one of them's going to go home. But then during veto, what happened or right before Vito, uh, Rachel opened up what they had Pandora's box that season, where if something good happened to the person who opened it, something bad would happen to the house. If something bad happened to the person in Pandora's box, something good would be happened to the house. Mm-hmm. And so she opened it up and miraculously it was, Oh, the, the twist where, You have a partner for the whole week is back, which in that case, it was like duo. So if your duo was nominated, one of you would go home. If your duo got a veto, you'd both get the veto. So right when the two vets were the last two in the house and got nominated, somehow when she opened Pandora's box, that twist came back into play for that week only.
2: Lucky, lucky.
0: Yeah. So it was like, I was like, is that really what was going to happen?
2: Because she could have chosen whether or not to open the box and it's like did they tell her to open the box
0: (laughs) right or it's like no matter what had she opened that box that was going to be in there yeah or like even if she didn't open the box that would have been like attention house guests because pandora's box wasn't open yeah because the pandora's box wasn't open the house is now going to go back into duos or whatever so like there are times when you can really see the interference which in that case i was like i don't mind it because i wanted those two to stay but i also like want to see it played out the way that it's intended to be played out.
2: I find this interesting, but uh the the we haven't really talked about it. there's nothing really to talk about. The host has been the same since 2000, Julie Chen, who is actually Julie Chen Moonves, married to Les Moonves, former head of CBS.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Who is sticking by her man no matter what.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, and the, the funny thing is, the, the reason it's, like, of note is that the first time she had ever used his last name professionally was when she introduced herself on Big Brother the week after he was removed from his job.
0: Uh-huh.
2: She never used her last name professionally, her in, his last name her entire career that she was married yep. to him. Until that moment, mm. and it... So Big Brother suddenly like became part of the Me Too movement. <laughs> like
0: it was Wild.
2: such a strange dichotomy.
0: Yeah, it was. It was a lot. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that was also like the time where I went, "Wow, this is now." This show has definitely gone to a completely different scenario than I expected it to.
2: Yeah, it was like, well, I'm just processing what happened with the show, and now I also have to process Julie Chen's stand-by-her-man thing, I guess.
0: And it was also just kind of like out of nowhere. Um, But also, it's so interesting because there are characters... Characters? There are people who are characters, but there are people, contestants on this show, um, which they're actually called houseguests. They're not even called contestants, even though they're technically contestants. But there are houseguests who come in, like, guns a-blazing, so cocky that they're going to win this, and they never win, and it's pretty obvious. And it makes me wonder, like, does production get into these people's heads and they're like, you're going to be this kind of a person. Like, so when you go in, like, you're going to hate these people, you're not, you're going to like these people, you're going to be this kind of a character. And I wonder if, like, production actually has a say in that, or if these people really just are delusional thinking that they're going to win by, like, being a bully or, or being someone who thinks they're going to win everything.
2: I mean, that's interesting. It's also interesting that the uh the NDAs and uh possible repercussions have been so good for twenty years that there hasn't been any anywhere on the internet a like former big brother house guest tells all the secrets. Everybody's that afraid of being sued by CBS.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. And what I also love is like, you know, people like, Why do people like wanna keep staying in this house? And what I've learned is I mean, one is obviously people want to win five hundred thousand dollars, but even if not there's like, you get like a, for every week that you stay in the house, you get a certain stipend, right? Um, and so you get a stipend, but then if you get to the jury and then you go to the jury house, you get a stipend for every week there, but you're not even playing the game anymore. You're just sitting around like chilling at like a mansion, but you're still getting paid because you're part of the jury. And for those who, aren't, who are listening that don't know, uh, the jury is basically the people who decide who win Big Brother because America doesn't choose. It's the actual house guests who are in the house playing the game they choose most of the time they go with who they thought was the best player, regardless of what happened in the house. Sometimes they have bitter jury members who will vote for the person that didn't get them evicted. (laughs) Um, But you know, they say like, they're like, if I don't win, people are like, I just want to make it to jury house. I just want to make it to jury house is what you hear. So a lot of times people are like, I'm relieved to be in jury house because I don't have to deal with the drama, but I'm also getting paid to still be on the show. And so that's where a lot of it's like, for me, I was like, if I was ever on the show, of course I'd want to win, but I was like, I just don't want to be the first one out. I don't want to be the first one in jury. I don't want to be third place. It's like all these spaces that I don't want to be.
2: So tell us, tell us. You said that you, you you've thought a lot about what kind of contestant you would be.
0: Oh yeah, I um I I, I like actually wrote a document about this like a while back. Like I started piecing it up together. I think what I would do is I would go in and try and it, I can't say I would do something because I can't guarantee what's going to happen. I would try to lay low like the first couple of weeks, the first like two or three weeks, and like not stir up any trouble. You know, maybe try and form some alliances, but not like huge alliances, um, because we all know that those generally tend to like blow up big time when there's too many people. But like, you know, finding one person that I click with, Um, but not really kind of like attaching to too much, but also not attaching to not enough, because that's when you people are like, I don't know what they're doing. You go up on the block. But I've also learned I would want to be someone who I know I'm not a physical competitor. I know I'm probably not much of a mental competitor. I would most likely be a social competitor. But I also know that I don't want to show or play those cards too early, but also not too late. So it's like I want to be, okay, like the first week just kind of chill out, hang out with everyone, not start, not start drama, not win any competition, just kind of be there and exist. But like weeks two and three start to kind of get to know people and like, you know, make some connections and all this. Then by week four, week five. Start to like show, you know, what I can do. And I think week six is when jury starts. So like week six is like when I'm like, okay, I'm going to come out, start playing. And then at that point, you know, hopefully you
2: got to coast till you got to compete.
0: Right, exactly. And that's, and that's generally what a floater does too, is a floater will kind of float between when they need to be competitive and when they need to not be competitive. But I wouldn't consider myself on a floater of switching between groups. Because a lot of times it goes into one ear and another person in that group takes it to another group and they get those people out a lot easier
2: telephone
0: <laughs> right telephone exists in the big brother world and it is brutal it is. <laughs> how how easily people figure stuff out
1: <laughs> Yeah,
0: and like i mean there are people that got evicted like week two or three because they started that people are like i'm not having any start like you're out
2: yeah my experience of big brother is that no one ever is
1: as clever as they think they are
0: yeah i mean that's also my experience of this podcast
2: Just like in terms of like oh, I've done this sneaky play. No, you haven't. You're observed 24-7. You think someone didn't fucking see you?
0: (laughs) Exactly. And I was like, you know, hopefully I would go in with that little bit of an advantage where I'm like, I know I'm probably not going to win this game, but I also know I want to win this game. So I'm going to kind of like play in that middle ground for a little bit. But then I've also learned, like, if anything, I think I would have a strong shot at being America's favorite player. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but I was like, I'm probably not going to win that game because if there's physical competitions, I'm not, I'm going to look like more of a physical competitor than I actually would be. Or people always look at, they're like, oh, he's got glasses. He's definitely going to be a mental competitor. Get him out now. Because that's happened before. People, people get judged on the first like day or the first week based solely on their looks. And so, because you don't really have anything to go off of other than like, hey, my name's Spencer. I'm here.
2: Uh, Poor people. People would think I'm smart. I'm not y'all. I'm dumb. I'm dumb as shit. I don't know anything. I know like the three things I know about and that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But then it's like, you know, I've learned that like, you know, some people have like a flair for the dramatics in the big brother house. And it's like, America loves them, but they're so like loud and out there that people are like, I'm watching this person. Cause I'm constantly seeing what they're doing. And I was like, I don't want to be an America's favorite player who like, you know, goes into um, the diary room, which for those that don't know, it's basically where you go and say your thoughts that get put on camera, it's but like you can say it secretly. Yeah. It's confessional where no one knows what you're saying, except for the audience or production. Um, but like go in there and like talk to America and be like, what do you, like, what do you think I should do? Like, you know, obviously America won't hear or they will hear, but I won't be able to hear them. But I think that it's, it's this fine line of playing to win versus playing to be America's favorite versus playing to just see what happens. Because if you play to do something, I generally think that you like people have played, to, they're like, I'm going to be America's favorite. And they don't get it. Or like, I'm going to win, obviously. And they don't get it. So it's like, I have to go in with the mindset of like, I probably won't win anything, but I'm going to do my best. And I think that that's one of the biggest things for competitors is saying like, I will do my best and I will try my hardest and I'm going to let the chips fall where they may.
2: Smart. That's a a good, healthy way to look at it.
0: Yeah. But then I'm also like terrified because I was like, if I got on the show, I'd want to be an all-star, but then like, I wouldn't want to compete with the (laughs) (laughs) all-star. Yeah
2: that's fair that's well you got to do the show once before you can be an all-star anyway
0: right and then i was like if i do it and i'm not an all-star then i'd be like so devastated so i was like i don't know if i could handle it
2: well all our friends listening if you know how to get spencer on big brother hit us up
0: oh i've been offered uh a chance to audition before and i was like uh i don't know we have some connections with people at the circle we could
1: probably get you in over there (laughs) right oh yeah
2: see the, th- the thing, though, too, is also I'm just like, you know what? In 2021, fuck it. Yeah, let's just embrace chaos. I'll just,
1: I'll fucking apply to Big Brother. Why not?
0: Yeah, I think it'd be trickier now because I'm like, do I want to be locked up for three months? Like, yeah. I don't
1: know. <laughs> I mean, it seems pretty easy now. Yeah, right? <laughs> Does it? Can I can I make my two uh, my two small points about Big Brother that I have? You're welcome to. Before we wrap up, any other big points
2: on Big Brother? Go for it. Big Brandon.
1: Point one uh in ancient rome the head of household was called the pater familias uh mm. point 2 <laughs> thanks latin no problem thanks, latin 101 no problem i'm the damn pater familias um uh number 2 uh there was an old uh conan sketch where uh it was it was roundabout when survivor and big brother had both sort of popped off pretty big um and it was Clips from other fake reality shows uh, that were being imported from around the world. And one of them was a show called Camera House from Germany – or no, from uh, like Sweden or somewhere where uh, it was a reality show about a house filled with cameras being filmed by other cameras. And Mm. I have never been able to separate Big Brother from Camera House – Which is maybe why I could probably never get into Big Brother. (laughs) (laughs) It's just
2: all that just like lives rent free in your head now. Just it's all you could think about.
1: It lives. It lives there along with uh, another one of them uh, was a show called Stockenblocken. which was a a show, a game show where contestants had to arrange. Blocks on a counter at perfect ninety degree angles, and then uh, Ian Roberts, as a really intense German guy, would come over with an like an L <laughs> measure, see if they were ninety degrees, and then just scream at them. It's my nine and blockin That's number wing. <laughs> That's number wing. Yeah. So I think about camera house and nine blockin. A lot. For, like, more than half my life,
0: probably.
1: <laughs> All
2: right. Well, before we wrap up, Spencer, any other burning things about uh, Big Brother that you love that you just want to tell us about?
0: I was just going to say I could tell you my favorite seasons um, to watch if you want.
2: Yeah, please. I was going to be my next question, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just. it just makes me think... Um, Five, six, and seven, for sure. Five, six, and then five is when the... So five season five is when the backdoor thing came into play. So backdoor is basically put up two nominations that you don't want to go home uh, to kind of keep the other person that you want to go home from playing veto, so they can't take themselves off the block. And then you take one of those people off, put them up, and they get backdoored and go home. So they get sent out the back door instead of the front door. Uh, but five, six, and seven, I think, are some of the best seasons. Seven's an all-star season. And then... Sixteen is great to see Derek's gameplay overall is a bit of a mess of a season, but Derek's gameplay is really great uh, to see how to navigate through people who are maybe not quite a caliber level of, of gameplay yeah and then I think it was season two, ooh, I'm gonna say the wrong season probably I think it was season 20 where Tyler and Casey were a really big dynamic duo to the end i think it was 20 maybe it was 21 but i think it was 20 yeah 20 because 22 was just now yeah 20 season 20 so those are my favorite seasons um for what they are
2: and uh by the way people if you wanted to watch big brother online if you're one of the three people that has paramount plus you're set (laughs) 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 apparently that's where you can stream it online right now but it's also available other places
1: so congratulations to steven james and uh, lisa the three people who subscribed to paramount plus (laughs)
2: <laughs> but i'm sure there's other ways you can find it if you're you know clever we'll just leave it at that
1: uh thank you so much for joining us spencer this was awesome this was very enlightening yeah thanks for having me yeah i this was such a good one that like i i just got to be in the passenger seat and just like listen and this was fucking fascinating yeah and there's so much i could
0: literally talk about this for like 24 hours straight <laughs> hell yeah
2: Well, uh, if people wanted to, you know, ask you about it for 24 hours straight, or if you had anything you'd like to plug now would be the moment, Spencer, where, where can people find you online? What is it that you do?
0: Sure. Um, I do really everything. And the question I always say is what don't I do? Um, but you can find (laughs) my website. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You can find my website, which is my first and last name.com spencerfrankenberger.com. Uh, or you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Spencer one zero one F.
2: Uh, what about you, Brandon?
0: Uh yeah, you can find all my bullshit at Hell Yes Brandon on all
1: the stuff, uh Brandonbeck.baincamp.com, uh inkblot, inappropriate things whatever. I've we've done five shows this week. I'm tired of plugging myself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's bad bad, bad phrase. Don't call it that. <laughs>
1: what what's wrong with me saying I'm tired <laughs> of plugging myself? Oh. I've spent so much time plugging myself over these last three days that I'm just sick of plugs.
2: Oh my gosh! Terrible. I plugged
1: my I plugged myself this morning, and that oh was after God. I plugged myself last night and last yesterday afternoon.
2: Okay, well, you know what? Don't go on vacation, and then I won't have to schedule five recordings in one week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, anyway, that's a plug of a different color. You can find me everywhere online at at b scores b e s c o r e s with an underscore afterwards. Uh, the only thing I have to plug is Chaotic Roll first and third Tuesdays of every month. So we should have one tomorrow at eight PM on the Pack Theater. Uh, it's super fun. Come watch. It's a super condensed D anD D show. One room, one monster, and total chaos. It's great. Uh, and you should be following us online if you're not already, please. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at, at IntuitPod. You can follow us on Instagram by following the hashtag IntuitPod. We're also on Facebook if you get any mileage out of that. We're on most podcast platforms. If you find one we're not on, let me know. I'm always on the hunt. Uh, thank you as always to Kaylin West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Starting Over is a lot like giving up. Off the album Falling is like flying. Thank you to Indy Soros for having us on the network. And... Thank you to Spencer Freckeberger for joining us.
1: I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us home with a, a classic quote. Oh, boy. But it was all right. Everything was all right. The struggle was finished. He had won the victory over himself. He loved podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. how long have you had that locked and loaded did you look uh, that up before the show no honest to god only about 20 seconds ago I, and I honestly wasn't sure if I could pull it fast enough but I got i, I got there I, I was able to plug it uh, quick enough I was able no. to plug myself quick enough awful we're still <laughs> recording plug cast over uh uh-huh.